Hello, everyone. Cheryl A. for On My Watch podcast. Well, as you've probably noticed, there's been a little bit of an absence from me and it's been a a few weeks between this podcast and the last podcast for many reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is, like many people, out there, it's really been tough, and I'm I'm struggling with um, with the ongoing genocide, and I guess I'm struggling with the fact that you know I can't do anything to stop it, that we can't do anything to stop it. And last night, I saw the ruling, the ICJ ruling, where South Africa lodged a petition for an intervention, an emergency intervention to stop what's happening in Rafa. And that was rejected by the International Court of Justice. And I'm just blown away by that. So I'm feeling really, I'm feeling fatigued. I'm feeling despair. And I know many of you out there are. There are so many Palestinian writers that I follow on Instagram and that I know. And they've been silent um, as well because I think they're hurting so much about the continual death and murder of their people, and we can't stop it. The international community just doesn't seem to want to stop it, and I, I can't understand that. And I, and if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're feeling the same way. So, um, so it's tough. It's a really tough time. However, I woke up this morning, and it's not tough for me, or not as tough for me, as it is for those people on the ground. Those Palestinians that moved, so many of them moved from northern Gaza down to the south to what they thought was going to be a safe passage and a safe place to be, and now they're being murdered and bombarded. And I have to put my own feelings aside because I'm not there on the ground. I'm not suffering like those people are. It's mind-blowing. So I'm here to speak for them today and I'm here to stand up for them and to find some strength to keep speaking for them because they can't. We can't stop this. We can't turn away. I mean, I feel that there's something going on in the world with world leadership, with Anthony Albanese, with Penny Wong, with what the US, and those people sit in those positions of influence and do absolutely nothing. That letter that Anthony Albanese put out the other day, he didn't even mention the angst of the Palestinian people. He didn't even mention that 30, 000, over 30,000 people have been murdered, half of which are children. And when Penny Wong talks about Gaza and talks about Palestine, she's almost can't even get the words like ceasefire out of her mouth. She's so disengaged with what's happening in this humanitarian crisis. I I can't even understand. When she's talking about October the 7th and the terrorist attack on Israel, she does it with such gumption and force and in a big voice. Yet when she talks about the Palestinian people, she can't even hold her head up. She doesn't, her carelessness is so apparent in her body language. That's Penny Wong and that's a party that I voted for. And as you know, I'm not doing that again. So it's it's tough, It's but it's most tough for the Palestinian people and it's most tough for all those Palestinian 
people that don't live in Gaza or don't live in the West Bank and they're watching this happen to their people, to their homeland, day in, day out. There's the fabulous journalist Motaz Aziza, who we've been following, and he was on the ground for many, many months, as you know, and he's been pulled out and he's now, I think, in um, Qatar. But he wrote this for The Guardian, which I want to share with you this morning. So it's Motaz Aziza, and this is from The Guardian. He says, to be clear, this is not a war against Hamas. This is and has always been a war against the Palestinian people. Israel's plan to bury us or push us out, as we have just seen with the Rafah bombing, there is literally nowhere else for us to go. And there isn't. There's nowhere else for these people to go. Egypt doesn't want them. Their occupier, Israel, is murdering them, is eliminating them. Where do two million people go? And we, as a society, have sat back and watched. It's it's mind-blowing to me. And I know that it's mind-blowing to you as well. So where do these people go? Where? And as you know, the aid's not getting through. We can't get aid into Gaza because the aid trucks that are coming in from Egypt are being stopped by Israeli protesters. They have been picketing and petitioning many, many Israeli um, people stopping aid to Gaza because they want to starve the population. Yeah, they do. So think about that. I, I don't know. It's it, It's one horror after the other, but to see people stopping people from getting food I think is one of the biggest horrors. And, you know, they say that, you know, we're hours or days away from a famine in Gaza. It's not a famine. It's a starvation by Israel and Israeli tactics. And for many of those Israeli people that are picketing, you're going to have to live with that. You're going to have to live with the fact that during this genocide you also decided to starve the Gazans to starve the Palestinians. Do you know, I saw this wonderful footage, and you might have too, where the trucks are coming through, the food trucks, the flour trucks are coming through Egypt and heading towards Gaza. And, you know, I saw this shopkeeper, this elderly Egyptian shopkeeper, once he realised, he looks up, and once he realised that that's a truck heading with food, heading for Gaza, he has a fruit shop and he starts throwing oranges and fruit onto the truck in the hope of feeding the Gazan people. He's trying to pile on more food because he knows that that is going to Gaza. It really broke my heart and the generosity of so many people. And we need to see that because we see so many horrors, yet there are equally as many people out there trying to stop this atrocity. But our world leaders aren't, and this is where the problem lies, you know. If the world leaders got together, they could stop the monster that Netanyahu and his government is. And for a reason that I can't even explain, they they just don't do it. There's often a, a conversation about corruption in politics in the Middle East. The West loves to talk about how corrupt 
governments are, dictatorships, that like they call them, you know, not democracies. But I went through this yesterday in my despair and I saw how many people, how many politicians, particularly in the US, that are funded by Israeli organisations. There's, it's called APEC, A-I-P-A-C. It's a bipartisan pro-Israel political action committee. And do you know what it is? It's an organisation of bribery and corruption is what it is under the guise of being a bipartisan Israeli organisation. So they fund American politicians to always speak to support Israel. And I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars, the likes of, say, Hillary Clinton. Remember earlier on in this conflict, Hillary was out there talking about, oh, Hamas is Hamas that I stand with Israel. She has received millions, millions from this bipartisan, supposedly corrupt organisation. So it's not just her. It is bipartisan. It is politician on both sides, like Democrats and Republicans. And if you like, it's the same in Australia, Labor and Liberal. They all receive some kind of monetary contribution to always stand with Israel. Don't tell me that that's not bribery and corruption. Don't start pointing your fingers and telling me that Arab governments are corrupt. This is legal corruption. This is donation and it is a donation for you to be, you know, every person that receives a donation from APEC is complicit in this genocide. And I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm not shying away from anything anymore. And do you know what else I'm not shying away from is that WhatsApp Z600 group who have turned the whole story of them conspiring to dob on their colleagues, to defund their colleagues, to bring their colleagues' businesses down, to ruin their careers, and they have turned that around and said that they were outed and that that was doxing. I mean, it's unbelievable, and the media has bought it as the media does, and the media is out there saying that these people have rights now. They have rights to be, protect their identity. They've been victimised. You know, people are worried for their children, blah, blah, blah. Well, do you know what? I did see that document. I haven't shared it and I haven't circulated any of it, as you know, and as you know, I was one of the people on it that they were trying to bring down. But those people have turned it around and made it about them. Do you know what's really interesting with that as well and, and something that has made me so angry is they always manage to make themselves the victims. Do you see that that habit, that they're, you know, they're murdering children but that's to protect them? They've got this WhatsApp group where they're dobbing on their colleagues to protect them. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's the most self-serving position to take in any political crisis or in any genocide. And all the people that have been mentioned in that document, including myself, were the people that were the victims. But we've been silent in terms of the media because you know why? The reason why we're here and the reason why we're advocating is not for us. It's for the people that are being murdered and starved and it's for Palestine. But for them, it's always about them. 
just remember that and remember how self-serving that is. As you can see, I'm angry and upset today and I'm not going to shy away from that either. There was a big story last week about the little girl, Hind was her name, and she was in the car and they were fleeing and heading south like most people were, and they were told that that was a safe haven until it wasn't. And this little girl, I think she was five or six, ended up being the only person alive in the car. The Israeli army murdered the family that she was with. That emergency worker, the triple O, I don't know how she managed to call them, but she did. She had a phone and she called them, and you would have heard some of this transcript. What I didn't know and what I read about further afterwards was that triple O lady was on the phone to her for three hours. They spoke to her for three hours, trying to keep her talking. And in that three hours, and this was Red Crescent, they somehow contacted the Israel army to try and give them, they wanted permission, safe passage to go get her. And it's it's so hard. They wanted safe passage to go get her. They wanted permission to go get her. They got the permission to go and get her after three hours of negotiation and keeping that poor little girl talking and asking where people are and why, and she was asking continually for someone to come get her. Red Crescent got permission to go get her the army on the ground, somehow that message didn't get across or didn't come down the line and they murdered her and they murdered the Red Crescent people that were going to to get her. So everybody was killed. And it made me think about, I know we've talked about the journalists that have been murdered on a daily basis by Israel, but also the healthcare workers, which I haven't talked about much, Every single day, healthcare workers, international healthcare workers, and local healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, ambulance drivers are murdered every single day as well. You know, it's a war crime to kill healthcare workers and journalists, and it continues. And this is what I'm saying by our silence, by the International Court of Justice not taking action, we are giving permission for Netanyahu and his murderous government to continue. You might have heard, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that Alexei Navalny uh, died in prison. If you don't know who he is, he is a Russian who opposed and tried to uh, sit against Vladimir Putin. And he was one of the bravest men, really, because Putin tried to murder him many, many times. I think he was even poisoned at one point. But he ended up in a Russian prison somewhere and it was announced yesterday that he died. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence that he died yesterday or now. I think what's happened, because the world has sat back and watched Netanyahu and his terrorist government kill and murder and maim people with impunity, Vladimir Putin's decided, well, if Netanyahu can do it, why can't he? This is the ramifications, right, that once we say that we turn a blind eye to genocide, to ethnic cleansing, it has huge consequences right around the world. It gives permission for dictators, despots, for all those people, gives them permission 
to actually kill or murder with impunity because Putin hasn't touched him and left him alive in prison because he was worried about the reaction of the world and what the consequences would be to murdering an opposition leader. But now that he's watching what Netanyahu's doing in Israel, he's like, well, if we accept the murder of 30,000 people, then it doesn't matter what Putin gets up to. So can you see where I'm going with this? This is just giving people and despots and dictators all over the world permission to do whatever they like. So we sit here and we watch the Palestinians being murdered. It's like very, very dangerous times because it could happen to any of us. It could happen to any country. And Israel's main source of income as a nation is to produce weapons and spyware to kill people. So they want this market to keep going because that's how they earn money. That's how people live over there in Palestine. People grow olives and sell olive oil and, and food. Yet in Israel, well, in Australia, it's coal and that's a problem. There's another problem and I won't be talking about climate change on this podcast. But for Israel, their main source of trade is warfare and spyware to murder large amounts of people at any given time. There's moments where I have to, and I'm sure you're the same, where I have to sit back and just think there has to be some good that comes out of this eventually. Sometimes that for me is knowing that Israel has been found out, that Netanyahu and his murderous regime have been found out and the world now knows what's going on there. And the world now knows what's been happening to the Palestinians for 75 years. We know, you know. And that gives me an iota of comfort every now and then. You've been seeing what's happening on the West Bank as well. The atrocities there are getting worse and worse. And the people, uh, the settlers in the West Bank, uh, again, it's a bit like Putin, more confidence. They can murder people and get away with it. They can steal people's homes and get away with it. I saw this footage of hundreds and thousands of Israelis fleeing. They're at the airport. You know, Israel doesn't want you to see this, so there's not much reporting on it. But there are hundreds and thousands of people, citizens of Israel, trying to get out of Israel because they don't support the Netanyahu regime. They understand that what's happening is genocide, is ethnic cleansing, and they don't want to be part of it. But also, do you know what they are? They're, they're fleeing because they're fearing for their life. This isn't going to end soon. And at some point, people are going to retaliate. And these people are frightened. They didn't agree with it to start with. It's like us. If Anthony Albanese start murdering a neighbouring country and we don't agree with that, then, you know, you have to make decisions about whether you stay or you go for the safety of your own family in terms of protest, like I'm not going to support a country that lives like this. And my heart goes out to those people in Israel that are trying to get out. It's not a life that they want to live. I just want to talk about a couple of things as well that I've seen this week um, that you may have too, is those putrid IDF soldiers. Again, I saw one where it's his birthday and he's holding blue and white balloons. You might have seen it as well. And he's got a Palestinian hostage tied up and blindfolded while he's celebrating his birthday. I mean, you know, that's another thing too. You know, they are talking about the mental health of the IDF soldiers. That's 300,000 of them. At one point, 
they'll go back to Israel or go back to where they came from. And what kind of people will they be in society? How will they live with the atrocities that they've committed? How will they live with murdering babies, children, pregnant women holding a flag, pregnant women giving birth? I just wonder, people say to me, well, that, that's what soldiers do. This is what armies do. You know, there are atrocities in war. But these kids are so young. They're 19, they're 20, they're 21, and they're going to have to live with that. One, it's shameful, but two, the deepest sadness, they'll go back into society and how will society deal with that? I don't know. I don't know. It's something I think about a lot because they're kids, right? They're kids. I, I want to end on a slightly good note. As you know, it's been difficult being in the United States in terms of conversation and in terms of what's going on, and often I feel as though there's an elephant in the room. But like most of us, I think public opinion is changing. People are being more outspoken about what's happening. I heard a friend of mine say the other day that Israel is a failed state. And I thought, oh, there's some movement here. There's some movement in the way that people are thinking about Israel and the way that people are looking at this genocide. And that, again, gives me a little bit of comfort. And I'm seeing that right across the board, not even just with people I know on social media, people that have been very silent and not said anything are now speaking up. So the point of me recording this this morning, because I was feeling not able to, but I made myself because, as I said in the beginning, we have to continue. Western governments are letting us down, so we have to continue with... We can't be silent. I have to continue with my advocacy. I have to continue fighting for Palestinian voices to be heard. We all have to continue to keep getting that message out there and not stop that people are being murdered every single day. Okay, that's it for me today. Go in peace.